Welcome back to the Viking Update Show. We have a little more silly season left before things start getting real, or at least realer, with the beginning of training camp. We'll at least have some live fodder. We'll be able to watch people practice, hear what they say on a daily basis. This is the rare time of the year when the NFL just isn't automatically front and center with uh, things you can you know you, you can watch and judge for yourself. So we're going to get into some oddball topics here. This is the Viking Update Show. This is one of our Viking shows at TalkNorth.com. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. Our producer is Brandon Morton. And uh, we recommend subscribe. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. It's the best way to listen. Or you can always go to TalkNorth.com and find all of our shows, including the Jeff Diamond Show uh, from the, with the former Vikings general manager. All right, all right, a couple couple odd stats to throw odd stats and analyses to throw out here. First is ESPN did uh, a ranking where they talked to a bunch of league executives and coaches and ranked the quarterbacks. And what they really did is rank the top ten, and then they had some three honorable mentions, including Lamar Jackson, and Derek Carr, and then they had. Kirk Cousins as kind of the last person who received any votes. So basically, Cousins came in about 14th in the rankings. Uh, to me, that is what me, a Cousins pessimist, would rank him as. I think I also we also know a lot of optimists who might rank him in the top 10 or closer to number 10. Where do you think he should come in? Yeah, I mean, I think that's about fair, Jim. Um, when you look at sort of his accomplishments, I mean – I think from a statistical standpoint, obviously you'd put him into the top 10 fairly uh, solidly, but I, we all know, and it's cliche, but quarterbacks are judged on wins and judged on being able to make their teammates better just as much as they're able to make their statistics look good. And so far that's been the struggle for Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I think we had this conversation uh, maybe last week or a couple weeks ago, but um, I personally think that Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins are the same exact quarterback. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think Dak is overrated. Um, and I would definitely put Lamar Jackson ahead of Dak Prescott. Um, and and just given what he's been able to accomplish so far in this league and um and the things that he's been able to do. But once you I do think like once you get from like past like nine on that list and, you know, get 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I mean, it's, it's kind of like I have the beholder type of a stuff type of thing. I think that cousins has the potential to be a top 10 quarterback, but he just hasn't shown that enough. And so I think 12, 13, 14 is probably right about where he belongs. And, um, but I, I would not have Dak Prescott, in there because I think they are the same quarterback and he just has a star on his helmet and that's the only difference. I will differentiate them this way. I think that Prescott has more upside because he is more willing to push the ball downfield. He's a much better runner, a much better scrambler, much better athlete. Uh, when the Cowboys are at their best and they have the field spread, he can really hurt you by running. Uh, I don't, obviously he showed, he and the entire Cowboys organization showed they couldn't handle situational thinking uh, at the end of the last playoff game. So it's hard to have too much confidence in him, but I would take Prescott just because of the athletic and big play upside. Here's here's where ESPN uh, ranked the quarterbacks. One, Aaron Rodgers. Two, Patrick Mahomes. I would put Mahomes above Rodgers myself. Mm -hmm. uh, we have 
Josh Allen, number three, hard to argue with the way that guy's playing. Tom Brady, number four, and this is just where you get into context. Obviously, historically, it's hard for anybody to knock him off the number one perch. We're talking about going into 2022. This might feel about right. Joe Burrow, number five, hard to knock that guy. Matthew Stafford, number six, coming off a Super Bowl victory. Justin Herbert, maybe the best young guy not named Joe Burrow, uh, number seven. Might even have more ability than Joe Burrow. Number eight, Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson. Uh, number nine, Deshaun Watson. Uh, okay, you know they're, they're obviously judging him on talent and what he used to do, not his current situation. Uh, that's You can argue about that a million different ways. Dak Prescott, number 10. And then uh, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Tyler Murray, all coming in just ahead of, of Kirk Cousins. And, you know, we've, we've talked about rankings before. I just thought this one was was fairly interesting for if these these permutations and the fact that they were getting, you know, they were getting their opinions from NFL executives. I guess my only real surprise is that NFL executives who have to deal with headache players would still have Rodgers number one, even though he's been a complete pain in the butt for his organization for three years. That that has really been that was really interesting to me too. Excuse me, Jim. Uh, like uh, you look at clearly the 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 production is there in the regular season still, and he does a great job with that. But then, yeah, you act you you factor in kind of the headache that he has been and the playoff uh, failures that we have seen from the Packers with Aaron Rodgers in recent vintage, and and I just. I, I don't see any argument for him being number one, quite frankly, the, given his age too. Like, I, I mean, he's still productive, but I imagine that pretty pretty soon we could start to see a little bit of a, a, a slip and a and a dip in that. Um, but I mean, Mah- I would take I would put Mahomes above him. I would definitely put Josh Allen above him as well, just in terms of overall total package um, and 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 all of those things. And so. Um, I was really surprised to see him number one. And this is not me trolling Green Bay Packer fans like I like to do sometimes. But uh, just given all of the things that have surrounded Rodgers, in addition to the lack of, you know, playoff success or the playoff shortcomings, I don't see any way that you put Mahomes behind him. I mean, Mahomes is already a Super Bowl champion recently. Yeah, he kind of was a little up and down last year. And certainly I think maybe been playing hurt and had some more turnovers than he normally has, but my gosh, like that's, that, that is a young quarterback that with a rocket for an arm that, um, is only going to get better and bounce back. And then Josh Allen has really come along strong too. And, and so I think those guys are the class of, of the league right now. I think, you know, I could make an, uh, a little bit of a case that maybe Brady is a little too high as well, even, you know, given, uh, even though I, I just love him and I, and I, and I think that he still is capable of winning at a very high level. He's just, he's a different quarterback now. Um, and, and so I wouldn't put him at number four, but definitely wouldn't have Rogers at number one. No, uh, another interesting stat to throw out here. And by the way, uh, you can reach Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-R-A-R-1. <laughs> I'm going to do that again, Brandon. K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. If you want to advertise this show or any of our other shows, John Krasinski show covers the Timberwolves in the NBA. It's very popular. Uh, we have the Jeff Diamond show, the former general manager breaking down the Vikings in the NFL. We've added uh, Boyce Olson and Dave Lee and Nate Prosser, and we keep adding shows. We have outdoor content. Uh, the, the network's booming. 
good time to jump on board. Uh, you can find all the shows and all the archives at talknorth.com. And thank you to our sponsor on this program, Starbank, starbank.net. Janik, Janik Eckhart, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, he put out an interesting stat here. Most rushing yards since 1961, current NFC North teams. Uh, you want to guess how they rank? Okay. Wow. For the entirety. For since, the entirety. Yeah. Since okay. the Vikings became, came into existence. You know, let's see here. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I am. I'm going to go, I think the Vikings, I'm going to go number one. Um, Bears two, Packers three, Lions four. Nailed it. Very impressive. Yes. Very impressive. How about that? It would, you know, I think uh, our gut could have led us to thinking the Bears were number one just because they had such a horrible litany of quarterbacks that they've had to run the ball and they had Gail Sayers and they had Walter Payton. You could have mm-hmm. guessed the Bears and that would not have been an embarrassment. Obviously, the Packers have had the best overall offense and sometimes that leads to more rushing yards and they've had quarterbacks who could run the ball and, and the Detroit Lions had Barry Sanders. But you got it exactly right. The, the Vikings have had uh, Adrian Peterson. They've had Dalvin Cook. They've had, you know, kind of underrated backs. Like they've had Robert Smith, who was excellent. They had Chuck Foreman. Uh, They've had underrated backs. They've had, you know, Bernsey liked to play four or five different backs, and they were all fairly productive. Uh, Terry Allen was an excellent Mm -hmm. underrated back in his time. Uh, You know, stinking Leroy Horde uh, (laughs) with the greatest quote of all time, which is, if you need me to get three yards, I'll get you three yards. If you need me to get four yards, I'll get you three yards, something like that. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean – you know, the, Viking, the Vikings combination of having some exceptional talent, but also having whatever complaints the fan base always has of them, also having some good offensive systems, some good offensive coordinators, some wide open offenses. Uh, they are the number one rushing team in the NFC North among current teams since 1961. I found that interesting. It, it, it is interesting. I'll tell you. Yeah, like I think you hit it. Um, the reason I thought it. Well, first, I thought you might have asked it because the, the answer would be intuitive. It must be the Vikings. But um, I, I, as much as I look at, you know, Adrian Peterson, Robert Smith, even Chuck Foreman had a, a, a was in, incredibly productive. Yep. Now Dalvin Cook is becoming that as well. You just, if you go through the years and I'm thinking back to when I was a fan and, and all of this, there's, it just seems like they've always found a way to have production in the running game, um, whether it is Terry Allen, who was incredibly productive for a couple of years that maybe some people have forgotten about. But there's even like I remember Barry Word for a little bit yeah. or Scotty Graham or Darren Nelson, Darren Nelson. Like they, they just find these guys and they've done it for ever for since I was a little boy. They've just found guys that in between the time when they have really true star running backs, they are they have filled that that those gaps and bridged them with guys who are maybe more workhorses or journeymen or whatever, but just come in and find a way to be really, really productive. I mean, yeah, Leroy Horde was one of those. Uh, Roger Craig for a little bit. Like you can go, you can go on and on, and they, it's just been consistent. I mean, I think like. Then when you look at the Packers and they've had, you know, whatever, Amon Green and they've had you know, some some really stud guys um, through the years. But then they, it seems like there are um, b- bigger holes with them between those guys and they, they might not have somebody that really can 
can be productive with, with the Lions has just been Barry Sanders pretty much. Um, and then with, uh, with the bears, yeah, Peyton and, and Sayers, I mean, you can't do any better than that as a one, two combination. And they had Neil Anderson and a couple other guys, but, um, but in general, they've had some harder time finding guys as well. So, but the Vikings have just been remarkably consistent at just finding guys who can come in and give you very good production and and be good enough until you find your home run hitter again and that's you know that's that's been uh the one of their legacies uh is, is just consistent quality at running back if not consistent greatness i have another vikings running back to mention who we haven't mentioned yet first want to thank starbank starbank.net uh, big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and, and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and create customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check, convenient services, you got it. Check out StarBank Star bank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares, StarBank.net. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. And once again, uh, reach Karen Cleary if you'd like to advertise with this show, the John Krasinski Show, or many of our other shows across the network, including my show, Black Commuted. I have uh, some interesting offbeat guests, Brian Scurry, uh, David Berry recently. We've had Chris Finch on the show before. Uh, you can reach Karen at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. So I didn't mention him, but Herschel Walker did con- contribute yeah. Three or four yards uh, to the Vikings total. And uh, we're watching right now Herschel Walker run for governor. <laughs> Senator, right? Senator, I'm sorry. Senator, uh, I mixed up my races. Running for, for senator in Georgia. And I don't know whether to be disgusted that he doesn't know, have any idea what he's talking about. He's a horrible candidate and he's still in the, in the running. I don't know whether to be disgusted by the people who put him in that position where he could say just – ridiculous things on a daily basis and demonstrate complete lack of knowledge. I don't know whether to be sad because I don't know if he has his full mental faculties, but it's a disaster. It's a disaster in so many ways. It's a complete disaster. Let's start out first though. um, Before we get to that, just in kind of keeping the, um, the, the theme going of, of of running backs, um, you know, like Herschel, and I, I just brought up the the Vikings all-time leading rushers list, and Herschel for like as much of a disaster as we all say that deal was and what it did for the Cowboys and how disappointing um, Herschel was, he still ran for almost 2,300 yards in three seasons, 20 touchdowns. So like, I mean, it wasn't like he came in and was completely unproductive. Like he he was able to do some things, even though um, it was obviously massively disappointing to what for what the the Vikings gave up. Um, but uh, that's you know kind of decide, beside the point. We forgot to mention Chester Taylor too. That that's just another name that that needs to come up. But um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, when you look at like the 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 campaign that he is running, refusing to debate. Um, the, his opponent, because obviously, look at him. I mean, he, every time he opens his mouth, it's some absolutely gobbledygook that makes no sense at all. Talking about air pollution and how they have to send air to China and clean, and then the d- d- dirty air from China comes over here, and you have to clean it and all this stuff. It's like it's totally nonsensical. It's 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 completely ridiculous. And um, and but I, you know, 
am I going to put it past the people of Georgia to, uh, to, you know, vote for that guy after really kind of, you know, the, the way that the Senate race played out last time and how big of a swing that was for, for Democrats and how surprising that was. I mean, no, like, I think, I think anything is, is possible, but he is just, it, it looks, he looks totally unfit for any kind of position like that, but that's not a, um, a requirement to be fit for, for office these days to, to run for political office. It's, it's, it's frightening to be honest. Uh, by the way, I did an episode with John Rosengren, Minnesota based author who wrote a long piece, uh, for the Washington Post on Walker's candidacy. It's fascinating, really good work by John. Uh, my interview with John is also at Blocked and Muted. You can find that at talknorth.com under under my show. Check that out as well. Um, so yeah, I don't have much more to say about Herschel at this point, but you did bring up the Herschel trade. And I do think it's, and Jeff and I, Jeff Diamond and I talk about this all the time, as Jeff was Mike Lynn's right-hand man at the time of the trade. And said he did not want the trade to happen, by the way. But I, I covered both sides of the trade. I was in Dallas when Herschel was traded here. I covered Herschel uh, during his run as a Viking. And I'll just say this. Yes, it was a horrible trade. It was a horrible trade for a lot of obvious reasons. Probably the most important reason it was a horrible trade is Mike Lynn never walked down the hall. They were three door, two, three doors apart. Never walked down the hall and said, Jerry, does Herschel fit in your offense? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you know if he'd done that, he might have, you know, er, Bernsey would said, "No, I'd rather have uh, I'd rather have Alfred Anderson," and <laughs> it would have been over, you know. Um, yeah. So obviously they gave up too much. Obviously it didn't fit in the offense. Obviously it was a disaster in a lot of ways. I'll just say this: the Vikings were back in the playoffs in '92 with a home playoff game that if they had if they started Rich Gann instead of Sean Salisbury, they probably would have won. They were in the playoffs throughout the rest of the decade. They went to a NFC title game that they should have won in ninety eight. It's not like it, it made them into, you know, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they right. were still very yeah. competitive. It's a great point. But hey, what I wanted to ask you, Jim, like what was Herschel like to cover? Like as a as a person, um, as a as a character, as as all of that. Like I've like I, I was in, I was very young at the time. I had a Herschel Walker Jersey and all that stuff. And I, you know, uh, very excited when he kicked the shoe off and the green Bay game and all that stuff. But like, uh, I've never really heard many stories about just what it was like to be around him and, 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 and just cover the guy was, what was he like? He, there are a few athletes I've covered Jose Canseco, uh, Herschel Walker. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I covered who they kind of carry themselves like superheroes. You mm. really expect them when they're talking to kind of, you know, swish their cape around and, you know, scratch the S on their chest. He really, you know, he was treated like he, he was, he was a superhero in his own way. He was a re- remarkable physical, physical specimen, incredibly fast, incredibly strong, incredible high school player. And I, I don't use the word incredible very often incredible high school football player, incredible player at the University of Georgia, remarkable player in the USFL. And then, you know, he goes to the Cowboys and he was a very productive running back for a bad team there. And they just kind of, he was like their only player. They just kept on giving him the ball. He was big, strong, fast. He made things happen. Uh, But he, he, when I, when I knew him in Dallas, it was like, you know, I'm Herschel Walker and I'm a nice enough guy that I'll actually speak to you, uh, you peasants. Mm. You know, it was it, it, it was like this almost an endearing level of arrogance, you know, mm. uh, almost a cartoon level arrogance. Not he didn't come across as a bad guy. He just came across as, well, I, you know, um, I can I have 10 minutes before I have to 
uh, go back to Mount Olympus where I live, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and he spoke in these weird little phrases and he just kind of, ta- and he talked in the third person. And he was just kind of odd. Mm. And then he came to the Vikings and he was completely unprepared for being a villain. He had mm. no understanding how anybody could blame anything on him. And while he was fairly productive here, he also obviously didn't fit the offense. Obviously didn't want to be blamed for anything. Uh, one time I, I had an exclusive story. I got him on the phone uh, during a bye week and he basically ripped the Vikings and ripped the offense, and ripped everything else. So he was very sensitive to all this stuff. He also uh, went, and, but it also became obvious that there's something missing. And, you know, he, there was a time when it, it seemed like he attempted suicide, listening, quote unquote, listening to music in a closed garage with the engine running. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was very obvious at some point that it wasn't just he wasn't just a goofy guy, that there might be something off that was a little more serious. Interesting. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I remember you'd see just little snippets of him on TV or whatever, but I never like, I I've heard a lot of stories. What was it like to cover, you know, Fran Tarkenton or Tommy Kramer or like, you know, all these other guys, but you know, Herschel, I'd never heard of. And then it, you, cause like that was the other part is, you know, kind of in dealing with, uh, you know, his mismatch in this offense, he, he did leave here and then went to Philly and had a decent year, mm-hmm. you know, had a thousand yards and, 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 and played pretty well. And then, then it was pretty much all downhill from there. But, um, but yeah, I, I had heard a lot of the chatter about, well, they didn't run the I formation and, and there was nothing that uh, it was just, it was just a, a, a non fit that way. But, um, but you know, to, I hadn't heard much about the personality of him. So that's, yeah, that's just really interesting to see, to hear, you know, kind of how he carried himself that way. And I'm sure it was a very sort of tense atmosphere by year two. And it it was was clear like, you know, Hey, this isn't, this isn't working out. And, um, and, and there's more expectations and all this stuff. And I can't overemphasize the role that Burnsy's offense played in all this. And that's why Michael and really did make a huge mistake. Burnsy wanted, you know, he wanted Chuck Foreman. He wanted Terry mm-hmm. Allen. He wanted somebody, Darren Nelson fit this offense. It wasn't, Darren Nelson wasn't an exceptional player like Herschel Walker was in his prime, but he fit the offense really well. They almost went to a Super Bowl with Darren Nelson as the starting running back in 87. Um, and he wanted somebody who could catch quick passes out of the backfield. He wanted somebody who could run a trap which is, you know, kind of set up the block and make a quick quick cut into a hole before the hole disappears. And the, one of the most shocking things we saw here was there would be a play like that. Let's say it's third and one, and they'd run kind of a quick hitter or, or something where Herschel just needed to get it and hit the hole. And Herschel was so used to playing in the I formation, waiting for the lead bo- blocker to set something up and just using speed and power to make something happen. And so often Herschel be like, oh, there's no hole there. I'm just going to turn and back in. And it was like the opposite of what you would want any running back to do in that situation. And and it also made me wonder if maybe he was just really physically beat up here too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it like, it, I mean, the tread was kind of starting to come off of the tire for sure, it seemed like. Um, and, you know, and, you know, in the end, I mean, 2,300 yards in three years, obviously you want more than that, but... Um, but yeah, I just, it was unfortunate because I mean, I, I, I can still remember like what the, the, just the overall hysteria surrounding his arrival. And I remember the Sports yep. Illustrated cover and, 
uh, you know, the Herschel lives sports illustrated cover and all of that stuff. And just thinking, you know, as a kid who knew nothing and just had, um, uh, you know, a, a video game with, with Walker, uh, from the Dallas Cowboys and how great that was going to be. And, and to where it ended up, it was, you know, it, the, the spectrum between reality and expectation was, was quite a, uh, quite a, quite a big gulf. So it was a very interesting time to be a Viking fan, which I was and, uh, and have it not pan out that way. And uh, I'll tell this anecdote too. Uh, I was covering the team, Tim Kalashaw and I were the beat writers. I was, this is my first year on a pro beat. I first year above high, covering high schools for the Dallas morning news. Kalashaw was kind of the veteran and kind of my mentor that year. And then I kind of took over the beat halfway through the year when it turned out it was going to be a terrible year. And Tim had other uh, aspirations. They basically handed me the beat halfway through and I remember we were – and back then, it was the Wild West as far as press coverage. We just wandered around the facility, and I would just walk into – I would walk up to Jerry Jones's or Jimmy Johnson's secretary and say, hey, he's got a minute, and they'd just yell back, and I'd go back there, and Jerry would try to get me drunk. I mean, it was, it was crazy. The access was incredible. So I remember one time we're walking by their racquetball courts, and Kalashaw, the night of the – the night that the news broke that they were trading Herschel, Kalashaw went on a local TV show and ripped the trade. Because we didn't know what right then we thought it was players or the picks, mm-hmm. and back then Herschel was their only above average player on the roster. Herschel was their only above average uh, healthy player on the roster at that moment. Uh, so you know what the heck you trade him for Jesse Solomon? What are you doing here? Uh, Jimmy sees us and he yanks us into like this copying room and he starts yelling at us and we're like <laughs> Jimmy. What are you doing, man? And still, the perception of Jimmy back then was he was kind of a rude, right? Oh, yeah. He wasn't that far removed from being an Oklahoma State head coach. Uh, and, and we didn't know how much he cheated to win at Miami. And he goes, you dummies, I'm keeping all the picks. And you know what? I'll probably screw them out of giving me the players for nothing, too. I, I, I nailed this. Mike Lynn thinks I'm so desperate. Thinks, thinks I'm so desperate to save face and win a few games this year. He thinks I value the players and that I'll give him back the picks. I'm keeping the picks and I'm going to get the players. And we're like, oh my god, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I just it, it's funny because I'm I, I'm glad that this is kind of a fun like timely conversation because uh, what we heard locally after the Timberwolves traded for Rudy Gobert with all right. of their picks. Was oh here's Herschel Walker 2.0 and it's not Herschel Walker and it, it's not obviously it's not even close because Gobert is so much more established and so much better right now than Herschel Walker was when the Vikings got him and all these things but like just to kind of hear the way that that the story unfolded um, back then because and and super interesting too because uh, I, I I do believe that back in that era we did not have certainly at all the fetishization of draft picks and, and of the future that we do now. And obviously Jimmy was far ahead of the times and able to, uh, to, to capitalize on that. And it worked out great. Um, but just an entirely different era in terms of looking at what draft picks could actually mean and, and everyone being amateur GMs and kind of scouting the colleges and seeing, and seeing what that was. So, um, that's big, on big on Jimmy. And I can't even imagine, you know, being, being in that position in some kind of copy room and having him, you know, lay it all out for you. That's an awesome story. It was just so, and Jimmy was that way. Jimmy would go out drinking with us. 
Mm. Um, and, and he was, he was just a blast. It was, he was a blast. And Jerry Jones, you know, Jerry, Jerry drives me crazy in a lot of ways these days, but as a, a figure to cover, oh, he absolutely. was incredible. He was incredible. Yes. And Babe Laufenberg who's still an announcer down there was the backup quarterback to Aikman and Aikman was getting his, his head banged, uh, every week. And Laufenberg was like the greatest guy in the world to talk to. And it, it, it was, it was an incredible way to cover a team. Uh, and, and I always point this out. Cowboys fans were more invested and optimistic when that team went one and 15 than the 1990 Vikings were when I came here to cover a defending uh, NFC uh, central champion. The <laughs> difference in atmospheres were completely Cowboys always believed they're going to turn it around. The Vikings, there was always something that always felt like there was a, a, you know, a noose hanging over the franchise. And rightfully so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Even as a even as a young kid watching those those teams, um, you you could you knew that there was so much angst around Jerry Schnelker, like that that whole dynamic and and everything, and it just seemed like there was a lot a lot of tension that surrounds it, which you know was good uh, preparation for me for really the entirety of the Minnesota sports <laughs> existence in, in in any team outside of the links. So it's great no, stuff. No. Now that we've gone down this rabbit hole, I'll add one last thing. Yeah. What those picks, the players didn't make a big difference. He, they gave him some depth. Uh, yeah. I Colt helped a little bit. Jesse Salmon mm-hmm. helped a little bit. What really helped, uh, it wasn't like they took those picks and got Emmett Smith. What they did, it gave them the ability to throw a lot of balls at the target. Uh, yes. I, I should come. It, it gave them the ability to, to kind of, Go for it in the draft. Okay, you got eight extra picks. Well, you can miss on a couple, you know, and, and you can package a couple to move up. Uh, I think you use one of the picks to move up to get Emmett Smith, and that was, of course, a brilliant uh, decision uh, for a guy who wasn't that big and that fast. They, they read him correctly. But it gave Jimmy jo- Johnson and Jerry Jones, who were novices of the NFL, it gave them the, the ability to miss once in a while and not have it hurt them too much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what you need. Just like, I mean, all of the best GMs will say it just like, give me as many bites at the apple as I can. And the, the, the percentages will eventually play out in, in my favor. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I do think that there is a perception among some people that the picks that they got back were absolutely like just directly. Well, they used this pick on Emmett Smith. They used this pick on Michael Irvin. They used this pick on this guy and that guy. And it not, it wasn't necessarily that overt and that direct, but it certainly did help them, you know, kind of also building up the depth that they had on those rosters. Mm -hmm. I mean, those, that, those Cowboys rosters in the early nineties were, incredible from one through 53 and and so they they played a big role in that as well just maybe not necessarily like the single star players it wasn't the timberwolves you know taking johnny flynn and then the warriors taking steph curry like that wasn't the case but but still it it played a a huge role in just like building that foundation of that team and and getting it to a point where they could be the dominant team of the of the mid to late 90s yeah, and just and just to clarify, they already had Troy Aikman. They'd taken him yep. number one in '89, and they already had Michael Irvin on the roster. Right. They got him '88, and he was injured in '89. So when they had, when they did package some picks to get Emmett Smith, they had the triplets there ready to go as they grew. Uh, good stuff. Uh, this is fun. We will uh, 
get to more relevant and immediate things the closer we get to camp. But it's fun to have episodes where we can just kick around history and some rankings and ideas. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to John. Thanks to Brandon. We'll be back next week.